Welcome. My name is Natasha Sherman and I am your host. And my guest today is Anita Morjani. Anita is the author of a New York Times bestseller called Dying to Be Me, My Journey from Cancer to Near Death to True Healing. What if this is heaven? How our cultural myths prevent us from experiencing heaven on earth. So after fighting cancer for almost four years, Anita crossed over into the afterlife and miraculously came back to share her experience and her message. Welcome, Anita. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me on your show. I'm delighted to have you here. Your message is extremely powerful and important. So we're going to start with just a little bit about the history of your disease. In 2002, you were diagnosed with cancer. And yes. what type of cancer and what was your prognosis at that time? So it was lymphoma. And when I was first diagnosed, it was staged at 2A. Um, and it was a lump that was on my neck. But over a period of four years, it spread. And so it had metastasized, and I had tumors all over my body. In fact, throughout my lymphatic system. So some of the tumors were the size of lemons from the base of my skull, all around my neck, under my arms, in my chest and into my abdomen. So clearly um, nothing you were doing was making it go away. And yes. the way you describe it in your book, I mean, it just kept deteriorating until at the end, you, your lungs were filled with fluid, you couldn't hold your head up, you had all these tumors and these open lesions that wouldn't heal. And then they brought you to the hospital basically to die. Yes, basically to die. And then um, I went into a coma and, in my f and the doctors basically told my family that these were my final hours. And now my organs were shutting down one by one. They'd already shut down in fact. And they told my family I wasn't going to come out of the coma. And in fact, they said I, I probably would not be alive in 24 hours. Wow. Wow. And then, but here you are somewhere yes. having a totally different experience. And what was that experience? So when my physical body was in a coma, I was still in this state of incredible clarity. And I felt I wasn't attached to my body anymore. So basically, I had left my body and I was aware of everything that was going on around my physical body. And I felt, I felt just amazing, just so light and so free. And all the pain was gone. And I felt like I was just surrounded by this feeling of unconditional love. And even the words unconditional love, it just doesn't do it justice. And I, mm -hmm. So uh, at this same time that you're having this experience, you are also hearing what doctors in another room are saying. You can actually see your brother getting on a plane in India trying to make sure he gets to you before you die. Yes. So you're seeing all of this simultaneously. I was seeing everything simultaneously because when I was out of my body, the vision that I had felt different from vision from a physical body because it wasn't like I was looking out through physical eyes. 
it was like I had 360 degree peripheral vision and wherever I put my awareness, there I was. And when I say 360 degree, I don't mean just being able to see all around within a room, but I mean everything that pertained to my life, past, past, present and future. Like even if it was happening in other rooms, in other parts of the hospital or outside of the hospital and even you know, my brother who was in another country trying to reach me. It was wherever I put my awareness, there I was. I could see it and I could feel it. I could feel his emotions. I could feel the emotions of the doctors and the nurses as they were treating me. And my physical body, I could see it lying on the bed. And it looked so small and insignificant compared to what I was feeling now. Wow. So, uh, it's mind-boggling. Uh, so, one of the things I remember was you uh, communicated with your, so we're using the word communicate loosely, not in words, but you became aware of your father's essence. Your father had died 10 years before. And uh, so, was it he who said to you that, you weren't ready to stay in this place? Yes, he said it wasn't my time. He said I still had gifts waiting for me here. Um, mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that I remember, and I hope I'm remembering correctly, was this communication you had with him where you said, I feel so at home. And the thing that his response to me was, had me my jaw drop was, you've always been at home. And I yes. think for me, that was part of the whole message is we're always at home. We, we just are. don't recognize it. We don't recognize it. And that was when I realized that heaven is not a place, it's a state. And that was why my father wanted me to go back and recreate. He wanted me to see that once you know what that state is, you can recreate it anywhere. He wanted me to experience that firsthand. So did you ha have this strong pull to stay? I mean, it sounds so blissful. It was incredibly blissful and I really wanted to stay there. But um, he kept encouraging me to go back. The other thing that was pulling me was that I realized that my husband's and my purpose was linked and we hadn't completed our purpose yet. Mm. And if I didn't go back, he wouldn't be able to complete his purpose and that he would follow, that he would basically also die maybe six months or a year after. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, you know, now you, you make the choice and you kind of re-enter this yes. very sick body and... Yes. Uh, and you wake up. Yeah. And I knew I was going to be healed because when I was in that realm, I realized, I understood what caused my cancer. I understood it was because I never, you know, I understood it was because I'd lived a life of fear. I had never loved myself. I'd never known my true worth or my true value or that I had a purpose for being here. So I, I was always a doormat. I was always someone who was a people pleaser. 
I always put myself down and put myself last and let other people walk all over me. And in that realm, I realized I'm not supposed to do that. I'm supposed to love myself like my life depends on it, because it does. You know, uh, it's, uh, I have a bunch of questions about that, but it's like, uh, so you came back because, so your, your body became ill because you had kept suppressing who your essential being and spirit and essence were. And, yes. and we all do that. Yes, uh, to I some level or another, life. we're, we're yeah. brainwashed to kind of live into all the external expectations. Yes. And the gift really is that our life is a gift. And so it starts from, if my life is a gift, I need to love that gift. Yes. And you, and, uh, so the title of the book makes sense, Dying to Be yes. Me, so you return to be you. I guess my question, my most compelling question is that, um, you know, it's all about self-love and we're not talking about ego love. We're talking no. about just like experiencing yourself as the miraculous uh, spark of the universe that you are. And most of us will hear this somewhere, read it somewhere. We're reminded of it at times. Uh, you know, it's like somebody dies too soon and you say, oh my God, what a, you know, a wake up call. I will appreciate every moment. And two days later, you're back in the default position. So, and if somebody had come to you before your near-death experience and said, Anita, all you have to do is love yourself, it would have sounded nice, but how would you have done that? So when you're coming and telling everyone else, you need to love yourself, how can they access that? Okay, so let me explain this, and I love that question. So first of all, when, if somebody had told me to love myself without this experience, I would have thought they were talking about my ego self. And I might have even said, but I do love myself. I, I eat very healthy, I buy good clothes, and so on and so forth. But that's not what it means. Because I was doing those things not out of love, but out of a fear of not being good enough, mm. out of a fear of not being healthy enough. So those are fear-based choices. To love yourself means to make your choices from a place of love and not from a place of fear. It means asking yourself, why do I do what I do? Am I doing it because I fear the results of not doing it? If that is your, your reason, then that's not self-love. Self-love truly means, um, it truly means realizing that the essence of God is who is expressing itself from behind your eyes. It is God. You are an expression of God. You, have, you are a facet of God that has come here to express yourself. You have come as a piece of God and you will return back home and merge back to God. So basically you are a facet of God. So to not love yourself means to deny that piece of God that has chosen to express itself through you. So to me, loving myself means truly allowing myself to be who I am without constantly judging myself, without constantly, <clears throat> excuse me, 
without constantly feeling that I have to please other people. It also means not being afraid of disappointing people. And one of our biggest fears is shame. Another one is disappointment. I mean, think of how it feels when someone says to you, I'm disappointed in you. Immediately, we change our behavior to accommodate, accommodate that person. But imagine if I truly knew that, that what you want from me is not from me. It's not for me. It's for you. You want me to fit your agenda. But what's my agenda for my life? What is the purpose I'm here? I can't disappoint myself. Mm. It's more important not to disappoint myself. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, I think it requires a certain kind of um, attention. Because if you look uh, universally, most of us are probably filled with self-loathing. I mean, if you look yes. at the world, it's all fear-based. And, and when you use the word God, I'm assuming you're not talking about it in any specific religion. No. Um, it's kind of just everything. It's energy. It's yeah. universal energy. Right. So p different people mean different things when they say God. I'm, I want to be clear. I'm actually not religious. I have nothing against religions, but I just believe that religion differs from culture to culture, just like cultures do, languages do, yes. races do. So I'm not religious. And when I use the term God, I truly mean the universal energy or consciousness that expresses itself through, through each us. Other. Yes. You know, uh, there's always the question of, gosh, why does it look this way if it was all universal love? You know, there has to be some purposefulness to it. And when I interviewed Dr. Eben Alexander, he said, you know, we're in soul school. Uh, so that's one way of looking at it. Uh, you seem to imply there's nothing here that you have to get or learn. It's just yes. about being. And then, you know, I always say to my clients or, or when I teach, it's like if you look at a a nursery full of babies who were just born, they're not lying around looking, oh, they're cuter than me, and or that yes. one's not going to do well, or look at me, I'm, you know, none of that is happening. So it's pure potentiality. And then it seems to be in the nature of human being. And I don't know if it comes from survival, that that fear, but as one of my teachers used to say, we go into somebody training. Yes. And then that somebody training has us do what most of us do. We're doing it to please others. Yes. And so if you look at it in the context of imagine if I just operate from the premise that I am truly loved. And yes. all I have to do is kind of explore what that would look like through me. Exactly. And I am loved and I am love. Mm. And the more we fill ourselves with love, the more we express that love. And what I want to say here, which I feel is really important, you are right. You mentioned something about that everyone is filled with fear. So here's what I believe, is that if we don't consciously become aware that we are love, or if we don't consciously fill ourselves up with love, love for ourselves, what happens is that we get filled with fear. 
So just like um, darkness is the absence of light, fear is the absence of love. And because I never knew that I was supposed to love myself, mm. I never knew that I was loved, mm -hmm. I never knew I was worthy and deserving, what happened is that my vessel completely filled with fear because it was the absence of love. And we live in a world that is lacking love, which is why all we see is fear. Right. Yeah, and um, you know, I, I think it really, again, is if we just, as you describe, if we just shift one thing in our day, like what if I operate from love? Yes. And, but I think we all have to kind of make that conscious intention because um, fear is so easy to tap into and go back to. It is. Okay, so here's something tangible I tell people to do. I actually ask people to do at least one random act of kindness for themselves. Mm. You can do one for someone else, that's great. But most people who resonate with my experience and my story, you're very good at doing things for other people. So I don't even need to tell you to do that. It's just that we are all guilty, all of those who resonate with my story, we're guilty of doing things for other people to the point that we drain ourselves. And that's why I got cancer. So my, um, my request is to ask you to make a commitment to do one random act of kindness for yourself. And a random act of kindness is, is something that you would not normally do. So stuff that you do for yourself every day doesn't count. It means adding one new thing, like taking the time to soak in that bathtub that you normally say, oh, I don't have time for baths, or going to see that movie you wanted to see and you keep saying, oh, I don't have time, I wanna wait for someone to go with me. Just take the time and go see it. One thing every day. Another thing is to ask yourself the question every day, what would I be doing today if I did love myself? Mm. And see what comes up for you. Uh, thank you for sharing those two things because we need something to hang our hat on, you know? Yeah. Something to point towards because uh, our natural tendency is just to get stuck in the muck and mire of all the automatic behavior we have. Yes. And that whole definite, you know, looking good yeah. to other people. And and most people who think they love themselves actually don't. They don't realize that all these things they do for themselves, they're doing it just to keep up with other people. Hmm. And that's a fear. That's not a love. Yeah, that's really great. Um, let me just see if there was something specific. And then I want to talk about your new book. Uh, there was something, um, you are here to be who you are, a facet of the universe. And I love that because if you take like, uh, a diamond or a crystal, it's all one, but you're one yeah. facet of it. Here to be as me as I can be. It almost sounds like this child's book that was uh, uh, popular years ago. Your only purpose is to be authentic, be who yeah. you are. So uh, if we can just do that, uh, it's a starting point. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Every day, give yourself permission 
to be you and then start to discover what that is. Because I think a lot of it is, and it's in the title, I think of your second book, is really dismantling stuff. Because when we went into somebody training, we were fed our beliefs, our, uh, you know, what we're supposed to think, what we're supposed to look like. And, yes. uh, and then we kind of believe it's all true and the truth about life and the truth about who we are. So again, I think it's dismantling. So talk about the, the new book and, and that conversation. Sure. So with the new book, you know, again, much like uh, my, my first book, it's just, I believe that we're not flawed. We're not broken. We don't need fixing. And one of our problems is that we think we're flawed and we think we, we need fixing. So basically, the reason the title is, what if this is heaven? We all believe that we have to do good things to get our reward later. But I'm trying to say, no, you don't. This is heaven here and now, if only you realized it. Now, the original title of this book that I submitted was, what if this is heaven? And the subtitle I had put was, then why does it sometimes feel like hell? <laughs> I actually like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, and but my publishers changed it to something <laughs> <laughs> that was a little more palatable for their audience. But um, um, but I do get a lot of people saying because you know because they've seen the title now and people are saying, but this is not heaven. I hate the idea that this is heaven. But what that tells me is that everybody thinks they have to wait for the good stuff. And mm -hmm. my point is, no, it's here. Mm -hmm. So I truly don't believe that, um, that uh, like, uh, let me backtrack that. I don't believe that we should give our power away to anyone. Like, uh, And so people want this answer they want the step-by-step -step instructions from someone okay so how do i achieve that how do i fix myself how do i do this so my point is you are not broken this is heaven but what's preventing you from seeing that it's heaven mm. and that's what this book does it's more about unlearning or unraveling yes. rather than giving you step-by-step um, instructions on how to attain something because I truly feel who am I to tell you how to live your life or to judge what you're doing I haven't lived the proverbial mile in your shoes but instead I'm just going to offer you some suggestions as to why you're not seeing this as heaven you're not seeing your life in the full potential that it actually is yeah and I think that um you know, as you say, each one of us has our own journeys, but you can kind of point in the direction of where uh, the roads we, we could take a look at. Uh, I think one of the things that confuses people is that heaven on earth, in their mind, means, oh, it's all tra-la, we don't have any bad feelings, and we don't have any negative feelings, and, and so uh, it's kind of this, uh, you know, drug-induced haze of, you know, nothing going wrong as opposed to embracing our humanity, the journey of it all, and the, even the difficult, you know, slimy parts that we don't want to look at. But it's really, for me, the way I see it is stopping resisting. Exactly. It's about accepting everything, even the negative things. And um, 
do you know if everything was all roses and if everything was tra-la-la <laughs> um, we would actually get bored mm. we really would get bored and so what I truly learned was that the one thing just one thing was preventing people from living heaven on earth and that was love and even though I've got 10 chapters in this book, each one self-contained with different scenarios, different things I've learned along the way, different um, uh, situations. And the whole book was inspired by questions that people have written to me mm. to ask. But I've realized that if I had to summarize it, at the crux of every single situation, every single problem, what is missing is love. It truly is love. And I'm talking about health problems, relationship problems, everything. Now, it doesn't mean that just because we love everyone, everything's going to be all roses. But in truth, what happens is that when we love ourselves and when we know we are deserving and worthy, what happens is then we start to attract the life that's truly ours. And then the problems we encounter, they are the problems that they're like our problems as a result of following our own calling. They're not problems of, uh, derived from us trying to be someone else, mm. trying to be someone else, trying to be something we're not. Because when we're trying to be something we're not, um, we start to live someone else's life. And so the problems we're getting are someone else's problems, which we don't know how to handle. Right. right. So we still get problems, but these problems are not problems the way they are if we're trying to be someone else. These problems are challenges to take us to the next level of who we are. Every single thing Every single challenge and situation takes us back to who we are. Wow. Well, I'll tell you something, Anita. You timed that perfectly. That's profound, and we're at the end of our time. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to thank you for being my guest today, uh, for your message, for continuing your message. I invite people to read Dying to Be Me and then to check out your new book. Um, and your website, and thank you again. Thank you so much, really. My name is Natasha Sherman. Thank you for joining us.